preaches to people. He touches people. He changes people's lives. He heals. He raises the dead. He is a man full of power. Luke wants to tell everybody about this God. He says God wants to save everybody. He wants to save the rich. He wants to save the poor. He wants to save the man. He wants to save the woman. God does not discriminate who he is or what he wants to do in somebody's life. And he reflects this in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on them and all the people that got saved and all the languages that were there, men and women, families were being changed by the gospel lesson. Luke, when he wrote, changed what he saw as the world upside down. How dare a lady come to me and talk to me? But Luke says this God's coming and this God does not discriminate against that. John says, well, geez, you're saying he fulfills the law. You're saying he's a man of power. You're saying he wants to save everybody. But you didn't say he's God from the beginning. All you guys wrote fine and dandy of who Jesus is, but I want you to know he was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So before you guys ever wrote, he was in the heavens, creating the heavens and the earth. He was part of the Godhead and part of the Trinity. So John focuses on Jesus being God and how God works in the lives of the people, how God became flesh and dwelt among men so that he could touch mankind. The Gospel of John talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to lay out a big framework before I get to chapter 15 specifically. Three names are used for the Spirit in the Gospel of John. He is the Spirit of truth. He is called the Holy Spirit. And He is called the Helper. In John chapter 1, He testifies to the coming of Christ. Uh, God says to John the Baptist, When you see the Holy Spirit come like a dove and settle on him, you'll know the one that I'm going to use. In John chapter 3 and John chapter 6, the Spirit as the giver of life. He's the one who saves man's soul. You must be born again. How can I be born again? You must be born of water and of the Spirit. God is the Spirit and the giver of life. John chapter 4, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Where do we worship this God that you're talking about, Jesus? They say it's supposed to be in Jerusalem. They say it's supposed to be in Samaria. Jesus says the days is coming when those that worship me will worship me with their hearts. The buildings are important and that's cool to have the buildings. But most important, it's what's in your heart. That is where one will come to worship me. In John chapter 7, the Holy Spirit, he gives rivers of living water. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. When Christ Jesus comes into our lives and the Holy Spirit touches us, rivers of living water flow through our bellies. When we're telling somebody about the goodness of God or the love of Jesus, it's like something on the inside just burns within us and says, let me tell you about this great king. He gives rivers of living water. John chapter 14, he's the everlasting comforter. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you to lead you, to guide you, and to direct you. In John chapter 15, the spirit of truth comes and he will testify of who Jesus is and what he had done on the cross. In John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is the advantageous helper. He's going to come and help you when you tell people who I 
He's going to deal one way with the world, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. But he's going to deal with the believers in our hearts and how we grow in him and how we serve him. He is going to help us follow and serve him. In John chapter 20, which we read last week, he empowered the apostles, scared, down and out, not sure what to do. And Jesus comes through the door and he breathes on them his Holy Spirit and he touches them and he changes them forever. In the book of John chapter 15, in the whole chapter, Jesus says three things to the disciples. He says, I'm getting ready to go to heaven. I'm going to go to the Father, but I've laid out for you what's going to happen when I go. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to breathe on you, and I'm going to touch you to help you through this situation. And I want you to do the following three things when I'm gone. Number one, he says, to abide in him. I am the true vine, and you are the branches, Jesus says to the disciples. Without me, you can do nothing. You must abide in me. My father's going to come along. And he's going to find out those who abide in me. And he's going to cut and root, divide and change and minister and get into the hearts of men. But you must always abide in me. The second thing he says to disciples is that you must love one another. And Jesus defined what love meant. We did a part of that on Monday, Thursday in foot washing. He served the disciples. When they left him, when they forsook him, when they walked away from him, he loved them to the end. This is what John says. And that he loved them all the way to the cross. And as he says, if I've loved you, if I've treated you like this and I've showed you my compassion, you must do that for one another. Jesus, knowing when he had went away, a lot of questions were not answered. We've seen this in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15 when they're fussing and bickering over what it means to be saved and coming to Jesus Christ. The third thing he says to them, expect trouble. He says, they hated me without a cause. What did I do wrong? They're kicking me out of the temple. They're saying mean and nasty things about me. They don't want me around. They hate me. They are going to treat you the same way. Why would you think a follower of Jesus Christ would be treated any different than the Lord Jesus Christ? If they've hated me, he says, they are certainly not going to like you. I kind of like what Jesus uh, says in the Gospel of John. I'm glad Jesus is God, that he created everything. I'm glad that he said I must be born again, that he came to save my soul. I'm glad he said there's going to be a river of life flowing out of me. I'm glad he said the Holy Spirit's going to help me to pray and he's going to answer the prayer that I'm asking him to do. I love those passages of scripture. I think they're awesome when God moves and touches me the way I want him to or when the church service is fantastic and we're really worshiping. It is awesome when the Holy Spirit uses us in that manner. I don't like it when he says they're going to hate you. I don't like it when he says you have to love your brother. I don't like it when you said you got to abide in me. Because sometimes I struggle in my life. You haven't answered my prayer. You haven't moved the way I wanted you to move. And frankly, I just don't like that guy. He don't care. Well, how am I supposed to get through this? How do I accomplish these things that God is asking his people to do? Abide in him, love one another, and be ready to face the persecution. 
Jesus says when he comes, the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, he will give you the power. He is going to do it. First of all, he will testify of me. The disciples had already seen that. Remember, the Bible says that the Spirit was with them. He was watching over them. Jesus did miracles and signs and wonders, but the disciples couldn't always do the miracles. And they'd come back and say, hey, your disciples, they're nothing. They can't do all these things. They did not have the faith, but God was going to come in and touch them and do the things in their lives that they had seen Jesus do. He says, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. Secondly, you also will bear witness to this of what God has done in my life. So when we come to Acts chapter 2, remember what the Bible says. They spoke in 16 languages. When the people in the crowd heard the language, what did they hear? They heard them speak in their own language. What were they doing? They were praising and magnifying and glorifying God. They bore witness to the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he died, and that he rose again. He will testify of me, and he will bear witness through you in what I'm about to do in your lives. In the book of Acts, the whole world was turned upside down because these men had preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he says, he'll do this because you've been with me. You've seen what I've done on the earth. You've known my way of life. You've known my love. You've known my care. You've seen my teaching. You watched me perform the things that I did. God is going to use you disciples in the same way. And your ministry is going to spread. And the gospel is going to be preached. This morning I want to say to us, if we're going to accomplish these three things, if we're going to abide in him, if we're going to love one another, and if we're going to excel in persecution, all these three things, I want to say the following to you. Number one, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. When Christ Jesus saved your soul and changed your life, the Apostle Paul says, on that day in Ephesians, you were sealed with the Spirit of the living God. He resides in your heart and in your soul right now. And because he abides in you, because he directs you, because he guides you, you are in that branch. That branch will watch over you and he will help you and he will prune you to cause you to grow. But you are in him. You're never going to get more in him than what you did on the day of salvation when you accepted him as Lord and Savior. He is in your heart right now. He is in your soul right now. He uses you. He touches you. He pleads with you to serve and follow him. Now we can either let the Holy Spirit grow in our lives or we can hinder his work in our lives. I'm sure we know what it means to hinder his work in our lives. You know how when we go down the wrong road, right? And we get that little check. That little check's the Holy Spirit saying, why? I've sealed you. I've touched you. I've ministered to you. And I bless you. Why do you want to go that way? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and calls us to be with him forever and ever. What a great thing to think about. The Holy Spirit has sealed me, has watched over me, and protected me all these years because I've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Secondly, he is the love in our hearts that causes us to love one another. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ saved your soul, did your not heart feel released? 
It was just like a burden was lifted, man. And all around you, things changed. Your work didn't change. People around you didn't change. But in you, things changed. And all of a sudden, you're able to love those you couldn't love before. You're able to reach out to those you couldn't reach out before. You do a different job on the job. You now do it for the glory of God. Because His love has so burnt in your heart, you can't do nothing else. All you want to do is serve Him, follow Him, and please Him. He is the seal that's given to you. He'll always watch over and protect you. He is the love in your hearts that causes you to love one another. And third, He is the power in us to withstand trials and troubles and tribulations. Nobody's exempt from the mess of life. Everybody goes through crazy stuff. Everybody experiences loss. Families get messed up. Marriages get broken. You lose all your money. You lose your job. Things happen in life and it hurts. No matter what it is, it hurts. People deal with hurt and pain in all kinds of different ways. We're all thrown in this thing together. We all have to function and move move in this thing together. But for the believer, somehow that seal, somehow that love, it's able to guide us through trials, tribulations, and persecutions. Sure, you want to give up as a believer. Sure, you get down and out as a believer. But don't there come a time in your life and you just say to God, I think I'll make it one more day. I think I'll serve you one more day. Not because you volunteer to do it because you're so high and mighty, but because something works in your heart to say, I can do this because he rules and he reigns in my life. It's the spirit of the living God working through you to get to the trials and the temptations. We're going to experience all these three things as we continue on this vote to exit the district. We will need the Holy Spirit of the living God. We need his help. We need his direction. We need his guidance. We need his love in our hearts to work with one another, to respect one another, and then also to respect those who are going to come in and oversee the vote. We cannot have bitterness toward any man or any person. That's not the way of God. God deals with men the way he wants to, but he is only concerned about you and me and our individual lives, what we're going to do and how we're going to react. And then we must have his power in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's the one in our lives today, and he will guide us into the future. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know whether the church is going to grow or not. We don't know what God is going to do in our lives. We really don't know what's going to happen in the future. But we know it is going to be through the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes a difference. What was it in the disciples? It was the spirit of the living God. They did not know what to do. They did not know how to share their faith. They did not know where to go. But John, through the gospel of John, Jesus breathed on them and he sent them out to do the work of God. He will do the same thing to us. We have to be willing to say, God, use me. I can't answer for nobody else. I can barely answer for myself. But God, use me. 
for your glory and honor. God, fill me with your spirit, the spirit of the living God, to guide me into the future, to guide us into the future. I know that God will direct and God will lead and God will guide, but we have to be open to him. The disciples became open to him and said, I'm willing to lay my life down for you and for your glory, Lord. And Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants change. Everybody wants growth. There's no gimmicks. There's no tricks. It's all rest in the Holy Spirit working in your life. When he works in your life, then he's going to work in the life of somebody else. He'll work in the life of the family. He works in the life of the church. That extends out to community. Churches can grow. They say they're growing by transferring 40 members from one place to another. Look, we started a brand new church. We've done this. We've done that. In the book of Acts, God used them to reach the lost and the undone. And that's who he calls us to reach. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is in us right now. He wants to use us. And he wants to guide us and direct us into the future. The question is, what are we going to do with him? West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. Be filled this morning with the spirit of the living God and allow him to work in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the word of God and the gospel of John. That Jesus Christ is God from the beginning. That he wants to work in our lives. He wants to make us, mold us and change us and use us for his glory. And Lord, we rest on you and we trust in you to guide us into the future, that you touch us by the blood that was shed on that old rugged cross, that you continue to fill us with the spirit of the living God to abide in you and to love one another and to get through the situations we're in. I pray, Lord God Almighty, you touch every member of the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren, every person in this congregation, you touch them by your Holy Spirit. Comfort them, watch over them, protect them. Use them for your glory and for your honor. That everything we say and do, Lord, glorify the Lord Jesus. That you be exalted and lifted up. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you've done, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our benediction. Lord Jesus, just be with the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. Use us. Use us for your glory. And no matter what we say and do, let it exalt the name of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you all this week. Remember, no meeting, district meeting next week. And thank you back there for doing the sound. And for Amy helping with the singing and the worship today. God bless you all. Have a good week.